0: When the guy starts telling me about how he felt how he did in his games the first thing i ask him is if it's team one yeah i always ask that did your team win right so again i shift their focus instantly off of them and on their team i don't care how you did until i know how your team did when you get a new tool right let's say you get a hammer, right and you previously had a hammer you just throw your hammer away no, no. you don't you use your hammer when it's time to use your hammer You pull your sledgehammer out when it's time to do damage with the sledgehammer, right? Mm -hmm. And also, too, you keep your wrench when it's time to use it. Baseball was all about just hitting the baseball hard, right? We would just, again, every guy that just hit the ball over 100 miles an hour would instantly get a hit. That's not how it works, right? You still got to hit him whether or not. Ladies, 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 I'm just kidding, I just got you guys. (laughs) Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha.
1: And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going
0: we'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners we're happy to grow with you again we'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners the rookies don't worry every vet was once a rookie this podcast is brought to you by our partners over at rap measure to master rap soto brings powerful insights into every pitch they help players and coaches improve their performance through real data on this episode of the farm unfiltered bo and i continue our conversation from last week We also dive into how we bridge the gap between private facilities and team settings. We also look into how we mold into season, what changes we're making, what changes we shouldn't make, and how we continue to get athletes better.
1: Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Bo and Joe.
0: Welcome back to another episode of The Farm Unfiltered.
1: Yeah, Joey, I think this is a great opportunity for us to build off what we talked about last week and kind of open up some questions I had um, talking about the patterning and uh, um, the main points that we touched on as far as transitioning now as we move closer towards the season. um, You know, me being more of a team coach and working with these different age groups and you being more of a private facility. And then I know we talked about the time frame as far as uh, if you have a shorter amount of time versus um, a duration of time how you manage and correlate that to um, the coaches as these players go back to their teams.
0: Yeah, no, I think those are, you know, two really big pieces, obviously, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, they're the, we need to bridge the gap between, you know, what they're working on uh, with us over at 108. And then also, you know, how that bridges back with them as, as coaches, Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think, I think there's been a a pretty large gap um, in the, you know, from the beginning um, just with that view on things. And I think that, it kind of faults on on both sides with private facilities um, and on, on the coaching side. Cause I was also on that side as well, just like you Bo. So, you know, I think they're, uh, you know, the biggest thing with all of those things and like anytime it comes between two different things, uh, I think that communication is key. Um, so the biggest thing I think as us, us having an open forum with the athlete, you know, they have a great understanding of what they're trying to feel. We're not just telling them to do things. Um, and we're not just trying to pattern things and not showing them examples um, and basically kind of arming them, with you know if they're ever to get into a conversation piece, which you know again let's say their coach has a question um, about what they're doing or what they're working on you know they're not just saying oh um, i'm doing this and because somebody told me to do it you know um, there is a line of communication there in the sense of they have a, a better understanding of what they're working on why they're working on it uh, why what they're doing before um, wasn't ideal um, and what they're trying to feel so i think that's the biggest thing uh, first is just the communication piece and kind of opening up lines of communication, not only with your athlete, but definitely with uh, the coach themselves. You know, one thing we always talk to the kids about is just like, Hey, like, you know, if you're strength coach, if you're um, you know, anybody in your, on your team or any of your other coaches, you know, your club ball coach, anything like that. Um, if they have any questions, you know, we're, we're open for conversations. They can come by the shop while you're here. They can get a better idea of like why we're doing what we're doing um, and kind of just like opening uh, the line there to have that, you know, of communication that they can come and reach out anytime they want. Um, And also too, obviously there is circumstances where as well that we, you know, we need to reach out to the coach. Maybe we, you know, there's a, there isn't a mesh of like ideology or something like that. And there's times when, you know, we've had to reach out uh, first and kind of, you know, open up those lines of communication, um, invite them into the shop or invite them, you know, uh, you know, ask if we can come by one of their practices or something like that, or a game, um, and you know, and have a conversation with any of those. We've had many uh, coaches uh, go both ways. Guys come in, us go out. So I think that's a big that's a big step there. Um, when I when when you start with you know connecting and bridging that gap between you know private facilities and their team coaches.
1: A lot of the time, it's up to the player to communicate with their coaches. And now I imagine that's different. I'm sure you guys have teams uh, that you work closely with and have that relationship with the coaches. Correct. Now let's say you don't. Mm -hmm. necessarily obviously that's the player's responsibility to communicate now if i'm a player and and we have a short window um, like you mentioned you maybe only have two months we get myself to a position where you think i'm good enough i think is what we said last time to go out and compete Mm kind of give me an idea or some insight into what kind of program maybe you suggest for me to do on my own uh, throughout the season or how you monitor or kind of manage that
0: No, I think that's a, you know, a a great question. I think more than anything, what any coach wants is uh, results, right? When guys are producing, um, guys usually ask less and less questions. They just want to see a guy be successful. So um, I think the, the, the first part, you know, with that is, you know, it all starts with the athlete. A lot of times we sit down with the athlete and we need to get a better understanding of what he's looking to accomplish. Right. So sometimes we have guys where again, like that season doesn't matter. And I think we kind of touched on this, uh, the last episode of, you know, maybe he has some time, you know, the season doesn't matter as much in the sense of, you know, maybe he's 12 or maybe, you know, he's 13 and he's going into his, you know, it's that transition year from the small fields to his high school fields. And he has that like in between year. So, there's some of these, some of these points when again at the end of the day, coaches on the field always, you know, obviously always want to win, um, but also from our perspective, one thing that you know coaches also want is at the end of the day, like yeah, you want to win, but you also want your kids, you know, you want to send, especially as a high school coach, you want to be become a reliable source, especially nowadays when it comes to player development. Uh, when you send guys out, you want to be like a breeding house for you know talent and you know players that can you know play and not just you know top out at high school. So with that you know one thing that we keep those things in mind is there's definitely a there's plenty of things that guys can do um while they're in season um that is not uh, necessarily going to interrupt it, it you know they can just kind of gradually get better sometimes they're going to have a little setback they're going to get you know bigger jumps they're going to plateau um it just just depends on you know the athlete and like where they are with their movement stuff sometimes you can only get a guy um, I would say in in certain ways, only so good before you're like, okay, you know, there's, there's guys we, you know, I can think of an athlete right now off the top of my head. Um, there's a guy that again, like he's good enough. And then now at this point, you know, we move into approach, uh, design stuff. So when we, we dive into, you know, approach design, um, you know, I, I kind of shift the focus with the athlete, um, from, you know, his movement patterns and from, you know, Hey, we've been doing all these other moves. Okay. They're good enough. Like from this point, it's time to compete. You know, it's season time, you know, and, uh, you know, usually we do obviously compete sessions like almost, I would say, uh, almost every day, um, you know, and, but I think uh, at one point we make a clear shift from a lot of patterning work um, for a lot of guys into like, again, when they transition like right now into season, um, a lot of those guys are now shifting over to an approach uh, design point. So we're basically what we're doing at that point is we're looking at how they move currently. Uh, what are the balls that they hit the hardest? What are balls that you know they typically hit in the air? Um, what are balls they typically hit on the ground? What are balls they hit the hardest? Um, and so sometimes the guys have a uh, misconception of what balls they actually hit the hardest and what balls they actually hit in the air. Um, you know like let's say you' certain there's certain guys that just have this mindset that they're like, okay, I'm trying to hit a ball in the air right now. you know it's a situation where I'm trying to hit a deep fly ball or whatever a sack fly situation, and guys like have this conception that they're like, okay. Well, you know, I just need to get a ball up in the zone. Well, while that might be true for some guys, for other guys, you know, that's definitely uh, not the case. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's say if if you had a guy like, you know, Mike Trout, Mike Trout, like, notably struggles with balls up in the zone, right? So, like, with him, he's not necessarily looking for a ball, um, you know, above his waist, right? So you you if you know the guys swing especially guys that move more north south you know we obviously have these uh generalities that are me you know with certain types of mover movers like which balls are gonna be able to hit the, the most uh or the best or optimal um but with that also being said there's also um you know obviously that individualized approach of like hey you know you're right you know i, I don't even wrong like i've had guys uh, that come in and um you know or guys that, that I've worked with in the past, not necessarily at one Oh eight where a guy's like, Hey, he comes and work with me for a day and he's going to be gone. And then he's mm. like, okay, so if I had to go and hit right now, what would be my approach? And i would like, I've, i mean, I've told guys like, listen, if the ball's inside, don't swing. If the ball's outside, yeah. don't swing. Like yeah, that ball better be down the middle right now. Cause your swing is messed up, you know? Mm. And so yep. like, there's, there's certain, there's certain, you know, where you're just like, Hey, you're, you know, this is a time and you know how you're moving that it might just be better for you to take right now yeah. because you know, you're not moving well mm-hmm. and you know, and, and, um, uh, you know, and then sometimes, you know, again, obviously, uh, you know, that, that I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say, like I said, uh, usually when we get guys, and that's another thing with when we accept guys, uh, when guys are in the middle of the season, especially if someone comes to me with, like, unrealistic uh, expectations, like, hey, I want to do, you know, I want to I add this massive leg kick, and I want to do the, you know, I'll basically completely overhaul their swing, and they're like, and we have, you know, my season, yeah, I'm actually in season right now, too, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, listen, we could do these things, but I just give them a live look, like, like I'm, look, like, we can do these things, but I'm telling you right now, like there's a there's a very good chance, like there is a chance that maybe all this stuff, maybe this is how you're supposed to be moving, maybe this just you know is an unlock for you, and the, everything just clicks and you just start crushing, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Um, hardly the case, especially when the guys are doing big moves like that. Yep. Um, hardly the case. But. There is situations where it happens, so I just give them clear expectations. Like, look, if we make these moves, uh, there's a really good chance that you know this move doesn't catch necessarily right away, and maybe you don't get hot till midseason, late in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, now, also with that being said, also of like understanding more, again, knowing your athlete, mm-hmm. just saying, hey, you know, let's let's look at this. You know, you're um, a junior, and you're the starting shortstop right now. Right. And like, you know, again, maybe you make, you make these changes and maybe you don't, you know, nothing clicks until maybe summer, yeah. right? Like maybe you don't start actually, you know, get into that progression stage where you're not going to be able to use this move competitively until summer. Um, and maybe you struggle this season. Like, you know, you need to understand a lot, you know, for some guys, I'll like advise them. Like, I don't think that that's a good move for you. You know, like with your team, with your team, that's a, you know, again, you might get one shot and there might be a guy that is, you know, you've been telling me about this other kid that behind you is that, you know, the second baseman, that's really good. He's younger than you. Um, you know, and also you start struggling, maybe the coach goes with that guy. So again, obviously individually knowing the guy's situation and what he's going through. And -hmm. then also you also have guys on the other end where I'm like, Hey man, you know, there's a good chance that they're going to redshirt you this year anyways. Right. There's a good chance that you're probably going to get 12 abs this year. Right. So we get mm-hmm. guys like that, too. And I'm like, what, what do you have to lose? You know, yeah. maybe we start making some of these changes that are really going to help you. Um, and, you know, don't worry about it. You know, if they redshirt you, great. Like, you know, maybe maybe you should take this year as a gap year anyways, um, you know, or, if you know, I I've, don't, don't get me wrong. We've also advised guys in certain situations. Um, now I'm just like, hey, if you're going to get, you know, 15 A Bs, like, you know, have a real discussion with your coach. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want he shouldn't have you know, Like, you guys need to have a realistic discussion with an understanding of like, Hey, you know, you sit down at the end of the fall and you guys sat down and he said, you know, I really see you's coming off the bench, blah, blah, blah. blah. And you say, okay, like coach, I appreciate your honesty. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, looking to develop myself. I would like to really produce for this team. You know, there's some changes, you know, I would like to make so that next year, um, you know, when I, when I come back, like I'm a force for us, I'm, I'm an addition, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, you know, with that, if you're like, you know, um, I'm okay, you know, if if you're okay with it, you know, one thing I would like to do um, and especially too, again, we have a a pretty uh, solid reputation around the board is like, you know, one thing I'd like to do is kind of do a gap year type program with, you know, 108 or something like that uh, Mm -hmm. where you can kind of come up with these things and say, you know, instead of you playing and, you know, playing that whole season and, and getting 15 abs that year, maybe, you know, again, you focus more on uh, your movement patterns, you move better, you learn to produce, you know, you focus on your force production, things like that, uh, direction and spacing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they you got to take in the individual and what's going to be best for them. Um, and it's definitely not a, you know, cookie cut, you know, I wish I could just say, Oh, if it's this situation, you do this. If it's this situation, you do that. Like, the athlete's got to be bought in and you got to take in holistically like what's going on with that athlete and what you and your perspective at the moment think it's best for them, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a lot of great stuff. And, and I wanted you to um, open up on this dynamic part of uh, the movement patterning and then the approach design you talked about. You know, obviously each athlete's different. Each athlete has to be bought in and each athlete responds in a different way. Um, have you actually seen guys that respond better you know, mechanically, when you start focusing more on approach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would say this: I would shift. I would shift that. I would shift that response to more that there's certain guys that, um, if you get again, it's definitely about knowing your athlete. Again, like I don't know how many times I can say that, but when because that's just so important. But yeah. when you know when you know your guy, when you know your guy, okay, there's some guys that are gonna get um, when they start getting too like mechanical thoughts, right? Everything locks mm-hmm. up, right? They yeah. get they get stiff, right? They're not like they're not. Um, I, I I tell guys all the time, it's like this: like you want to be stable, right? You want to be balanced. You want to be all these other things. But if you're so like if you're so stiff and so stable that it causes you to be immobile, mm-hmm. that's an issue. We have a notable uh, 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 pro guy with us, and everything he wants to feel is through an athletic movement, Mm -hmm. right? So I have to shift my coaching style to how he would like to um, receive that information. Right. Mm -hmm. So instead of me saying, Hey, this is the move in your swing. I want to see you do what I have to do is I I go find it in another sport. I go find it in a, you know, an athletic movement. And then I start Mm -hmm. having him do that athletic movement. And then I say, okay, you see that you feel this move. Okay. Let me see. Like, then I show him with like a hitter, you know, another um, high, high level hitter. And I say, look, this is the move. And you see how these are the same movements. And then, you know, when he can feel it athletically, then that's how, you know, again, that's how he would like to do that right so like I have to you there is guys that definitely um they get you know they can get mechanical and they can get stiff and it can lock their brain up and they they lose that flow state uh, when you start giving them cues and stuff but there's also the other guys where you know like if they're on their own terms and they're maybe mentally not where um they there's those guys too if they just hit by themselves and if you don't look over them there's a lot of things that you know it you know obviously can go wrong. like there's a reason that there's a coach in the room, right yeah. so if you put you put those things together, uh, there's definitely a reason for a guy to be there and and um, shifting back to your your other question there is the greatest thing that I, I will say about this is when we start getting into approach and a guy, you know I first off always start with what their approach is and like certain situations obviously when they come back from games, every time they tell me um, every time they tell me like how they did in their games, the first thing I do, um, and this is something I stole, uh, from Jason over at driveland and, but I, I do this intentionally every single time when a guy starts telling me about his, his, uh, how he felt, how he did in his games. The first thing I ask him is if it's team won. that's my mm-hmm. first question. Yeah. I always ask that. Did your team win? Right. So again, I shift their focus instantly off of them and on their team. I don't care how you did until I know how your team did. Mm-hmm. Right. So that if my attention's there, then why shouldn't their attention be there first? You know, like again, leading like that leadership, uh, you know, I want to, I want to lead down in that way um, that they understand that I care about how their team did before I care about how they did. Right. Um, You know, and then also too, there's a lot of times where I'll shift the focus and I'll say, you know, I'll say, I'll say those words where I'm just saying, Hey, like, did you know, did you help your team win today? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's another time. Sometimes they're so worried about like, I have one guy, he'll go two for four and he'll be over there. Like, you know, like going through the, like, just just having a meltdown because of his other two at-bats that felt terrible. Yeah. Right. And then I have to like shift his focus, you know, again, like, did you help your team win today? You're like, I'm I'm interested. Did you feel like you helped your team win today? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Okay. Okay. Then what are we talking about? Right. Like, mm-hmm. again, like shifting his focus off of, you know, again, it's so being me, 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 me. And, mm-hmm. and definitely obviously in a, in a private setting, it can definitely get that tone where it starts to be about them. So we yep. always try to express that culture that it's not about them and it is still about their team. And at the day, it's about their team winning baseball games. Mm-hmm. So let's say we start there, right? And getting back on track here, kind of went on that rampage on that one. But hmm. going back, uh, going back is again, I ask them, okay, in those two at bats, you know, what was your approach? Well, who was on the mound? What was the pitcher? Was he throwing? You know, was he how hard was he throwing? Did you perceive that as being hard? Was he? You know, was the ball getting on you? Did you feel like you were early? Right. Did you feel like your timing was there? Could you see, you know, there's guys that will come in and say, like, I couldn't see the ball today. Right. Like I couldn't see the ball today. I mean, it looked like a dang golf ball flying out a thousand miles an hour. Like I couldn't, I couldn't touch that thing. Right. And so, yeah, those guys and, you know, and then um, you talk and do those. Okay. Well, where did your hits come? You know, where did your hits come from? Were they hard hit balls? Were they in the air? Were they on the ground? What direction were they? How was the spin off the bat? Did it feel effortless? Did it feel like, you know, you caught it really solid, but it didn't go anywhere? You know, like these are all uh, like, you know, questions. I think I think the key to uh, these doors, if you want to open new doors with your athletes, is the questions that you ask, right? So when I, the more questions I ask, I get a better idea. Uh, another thing I like to do is I tell my athletes all the time, like, I'm like, hey, do you have video? Right, mm-hmm. so some guy, sometimes guys can get in this thing where they start going on this on this path of they felt this, they felt that. Again, the feels are very important, but also what's very important is the video. Sometimes yeah. guys feel like they did terrible, they felt like they had a terrible day. They went, oh my goodness, and then you watch the video and the swings are gorgeous.
1: Yeah,
0: right. It swings like money. And I mm-hmm. and I did this to a guy actually today. Um, he was doing a swing and I said, hey, show me show me a dry swing right now. So he goes the swing and um, right. As he goes to swing, I tossed the ball like past him, and he did a gorgeous swing. And I was like, okay, how was that swing? And he was like, really good. And I said, okay, did you hit the ball? And he was like, no. And I'm like, okay, so was the swing bad? And he was like, no. And I'm like, was the movement bad? He's like, no. And I was like, okay, so what was the difference between that swing and a ball that you crush? He's like, well, I hit the baseball. I'm like, okay, so that's, that's a big difference there. And, and the big part of that has to do with timing, right? So it doesn't matter, like, at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's about hitting the baseball. But sometimes I have to refocus them and just say, hey, you know, we made some bigger adjustments. Now you have all this space. Sometimes when you get a whole bunch of space or you get a whole bunch of time, but you're still using your own your old timing mechanism. Maybe if you still have this, you know, timing mechanism where before you had to go catch every ball, you know, 30 feet out front and you had to commit early to balls. And now I created all this space for you. Now this ball, I'm gonna let this ball travel an extra two feet, right? And it could be huge movements that are that are different for guys. So sometimes again, like a big thing is that video. Um, Touch there too, as well, so I think that's a big thing that we go through um and then we would go into you know uh when before they even go into season though uh again, I think a big part of that is we look at the data we use our rap soto uh we use uh, a lot of we have we have flight scope uh we also have uh hit tracks um we also you know use a like different technology again obviously seeing how guys are moving like our 3d tech our blast motion stuff like that we have a whole bunch of different ways of analyzing guys uh we also have k vest uh, coming here soon like we have a whole bunch of different you know ways where we can help guys um so when we look at all those things um there's definitely times and one thing to keep in mind as well there's also guys it's actually interesting and i have to keep this in mind as a private and uh private place uh institution as well, is that there's a guy in the, in the cage. His, I might not like his movements, right? Mm-hmm. But he might be stroking in the game, Yeah, right? So what do you do?
1: Right? Do you all of a
0: sudden make these changes, right? Again, And then also, too, if you uh, – sometimes guys miss this as well as you uh, – I think the first thing, again, it comes back to those questions. Sometimes you just ask them like, hey, what are you working on, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you miss – you miss the forest, right? Because you're, you know, you're so busy looking for the tree, and you're saying, "Oh, I don't like his timing," or "Oh, I don't like this." And then maybe he might give you a really intelligent answer, right? Like you have, there's videos of, um, you know, Barry Bonds off the tee just hitting balls straight down. Yeah. Right. There's videos of Mike Trout off the tee hitting ball straight down, and then you have, and then you have on the same note, like you have Freddie Freeman in um, batting practice every day, hitting balls on the ground to the shortstop every single day. Right. He actually almost (laughs) denied being in the home run derby because you know he that's what he does every single day. Mm -hmm. So do you go you go to those guys on those swings, or like again, if you saw Ben Revere take batting practice, or if you saw Derek Jeter take batting practice, there might be moves in there where you're like, ah, I don't like that thing. But again, you gotta again, it always comes back to those questions and then giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're working on something. And if they're not working on something, sometimes too, even even they might tell you, they might not feel confident in their answer, and they'll be like, oh, you know, I just uh, kind of getting warmed up or whatever. you are be like, no, that's, yeah. that's great. You know, I actually, you know, I saw some things in that swing. I'll even, I'll even lie to him in this way. I'll even tell him just to yeah. give him some confidence. Yeah. There's some things in that swing. I actually like, that's why I was interested in what you were working on. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you, you got to get some confidence. You got to kind of trick him, And then all of a sudden he comes back and he's like, well, yeah, you know, like I've been trying to feel more on my back leg. I felt like I was jumping out early. And so I'm like over-exaggerating that right now. It's like, That might be a really great answer and what that guy needs to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, now you see it from a different lens and you're like, okay, that's good. Like, that's what I want. Uh, That's what I need that guy to do. And and sometimes I, you know, I need to, you know, give him a little boost of of confidence so he can actually talk to me rather than him feeling like, yeah, I don't want to talk to Joey. You know, he's going to come, you know, he knows all these biomechanics and he knows all these things where how I'm supposed to be moving. And the tone that he asked me that question in, he made me, you know, lose confidence in myself. And now I don't want to tell him because I don't want to come off as dumb. You know, so it's just like there's kind of ways, again, like of knowing how to how to trick them uh, to talk to you about, you know, what they're doing, what they're working on. Um, And then also, too, you have to keep in mind holistically what you're thinking, you know, what you're what you think is the best route for them to work on. Or sometimes, too, instead of like putting down what they're doing, even if you don't like what they're doing, maybe the thought of what they're trying to create is good. Right. So then you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're trying to do there. I think that's good. Why don't we also add why don't we try this as well like mm-hmm. comments like that boom you didn't you didn't you didn't patronize the kid, you didn't put him down right you didn't you added, you you had this posture of of being in an addition to what they were doing
1: right mm-hmm.
0: and then yep. and then later back you can always you can always circle back later and go, you know this is why I wanted to add this because while I thought your move is definitely great in thought, I thought that it might start getting you to spin right yep. and then this is this is what I was seeing earlier. And then like, look at the swings we're doing now. And that's why I wanted to add this piece. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So then again, like in that sense, I didn't put him down. I didn't kill his confidence. I didn't, you know, but again, I still educated him. Yeah. Right. I still, I still let him know why I didn't like that and why I wanted to add something to what he was doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so those are all like, again, like all little, like little nuggets and different ways of like, uh, the art side of like different ways that you can get guys to, um, you know, kind of grab onto what you're doing and kind of buy in to what you're doing. And a big, a big part of that, again, a lot of guys talk about buy-in all the time is a big part of that buy-in stuff is like how you talk to guys, mm-hmm. right? Like if you, if you're constantly putting guys down and you're constantly and it, you don't even have to be. And sometimes guys say this like, too, like I know a whole bunch of guys that say like, Oh, like who's going to admit that they put their players down when they talk to them? Nobody. But how many, how many coaches do we know put guys down? all the time, like guys patronize their players all the time. Like you'll hear players. And again, as a, definitely as a grad assistant, if you guys can't remember, like, again, uh, listening for, you know, guys talk with their from their head coach and like talking to you instead, like, like you've heard guys like, dude, he talks to me like I'm 10. Right. So like some guys like you, you, there's certain guys that you have to up the conversation with. And if you dumb it down, like there's certain guys that want to be talked to like they're a biomechanist, right. They want to, you know, they want you to talk to them like they're really smart. Right. And then also you have to circle back and be like, okay, you know, uh, I know that those, you know, that was a lot of big words and, you know, and I, I, I I could see that how that could be, uh, you know, not perceived well. Could you kind of explain that back to me? Like, teach that back to me, teach, teach me what I just taught you um, and explain that back to me tell me why it's important, you know, and also too, maybe, and also sometimes I play the dumb, the dumb role too. Like, okay, look, you know, just what I, what I just explained to you, I know that you understand that. But I've been trying to explain that to a twelve-year-old. Like, do you have any ideas? Like, you have any other thing from like as a hitter from your perspective? Like, how do you think about that, and how would you teach that? Yeah. Right. And then by that, what what do I get in that in that in that moment? I edify him, right? Mm-hmm. I tell him he's smart. I tell him that he understands, and I can do things with him. I make him feel special, right? And then when I make him feel special, he also might give me a great idea of how I might how I could teach this, mm-hmm. right? And then when yep. I, when, when he gives me a great idea of how I could teach it, I, I get twofold on that. One, I, I have a great understanding that he knows what he's talking about. Right. And he understands what I just taught him. And two, I might learn something from that process. Right. So when you put all that stuff together, like some of my greatest cues and some of my greatest things is from, you know, what guys have told me what they yep. feel, what mm-hmm. they felt when I told them to try to do this and what they feel when they're hitting well and things like that. So I think that's a big thing is just like those questions that you ask, um, how you ask them and, and, you know, how, uh, you edify and, you know, uh, make sure you don't patronize and talk down to guys. Um, because again I understand in the same sense, you know, let's admit it as a coach. Like sometimes, you know, we're hearing the same question like 30 times and it might be, you know, common sense. This is my funny. I used to say this when I was a regional all the time. Like I say this to my GMs, when they would say this about the questions that their team, their team asked them, but I was like, well, I I feel like it's common sense, Joey. I feel like it's common sense. And I would say, yeah, it's common to you because you do it every day. Yeah. Right. There's questions that you ask me just like, you know, sometimes as a coach, there's questions that you ask your athletic director and he talks to you and you're like, and to him is common sense. Like, Mm -hmm. duh, like, of course that's how it works, but it's only common because he deals with that every single day. So like when you, when you look at that, when a player asks you a question, it might be common sense to you, but it's not common sense to him because it's not a common thing. He doesn't have colleagues that are talking about this stuff. He doesn't, this doesn't come up in his conversations on a daily basis. And also Mm -hmm. too, when you were 15, when you were 18, was that common sense to you? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. and also too, let's all admit when we were 18, there was a lot of us lacking common sense. Oh yeah. Right? So yep. there's a lot of things that we were overlooking sometimes, sometimes, you know, again, we were doing calculus when we needed to be doing addition first, right? Mm-hmm. And we were missing the common sense segment because we we're looking at all this other information. So we got to remember where we came from and where our mindset was at that point And like, keep that all in mind when, you know, we're talking with athletes. Like, that's a big part, I think, about building that culture and getting guys to buy in.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's two parts there I wanted to reiterate before we moved on. Um, I really liked how you touched on um, you know, how private private facilities sometimes get a wrap for molding, uh, more of an individualized mentality. So I think it's great um, that you put the team first and then you um, really build that culture. You know, I've worked and helped at some facilities that kind of disregard uh, the team aspect and culture. So um, personally, I think those entities should work together and help each other out. Um, you know, in the end, we have the athlete's best interest in mind. So appreciate you opening that up. Um, you also mentioned how you talk to players in the cage. Sometimes I think as coaches, we overlook that. I actually like that the most. I think it's important one, because some players just don't have the verbiage or the knowledge, like you mentioned, they they're feeling it. They just don't know how to explain it. So, um, like yep. you mentioned, sometimes simply talking to them and getting them to bounce the ideas off of you, you're actually not really doing much. You're kind of just walking them through the process of um, them understanding yeah, how their body there. moves. Mm. And and like you said, it, it's also strengthening that relationship between you giving you some credibility, because let's be honest, I mean, we've all been there, we've been intimidated by the guys that we're working with, because they're smart, and they say really big words. So um, I I think that's a great point you mentioned as well. Now, yeah. you mentioned, you also mentioned how you use all these different things to track data on several episodes. Now, how many athletes that you work with now, will actually come and stop in your facility during the season?
0: Uh yeah so I think uh, holistically they're all paying a monthly subscription so they're all there. Now how okay. much and how often that yeah how often they're there um you know like they all have like you know 6 months contracts or you know whatever maybe they paid for 6 months up front maybe they paid for a year up front you know whatever you know maybe they just pay by the month um, but in any case, you know they're all paying for like a a membership, so we're not we're we're not lesson based at all. So when you come in there again, it's more of that culture. When you walk in, there's going to be you know thirty guys in the facility, mm-hmm. right? Um, no matter when you walk in. So when you walk in, there's thirty guys. You have the culture too. That they, like I tell guys all the time is like we not to put anybody down that does lessons. Like I did lessons, um, I still would do lessons. Like there's nothing against lessons. I just think that there's a a a higher benefit to working alongside other athletes that are older and younger, and also to, like, just being in a room full of guys that have this culture of, like, we're here to get better, right? So, like, this isn't practice. You're not required to come to me, right? Mm -hmm. So when guys come there, usually, again, the culture is, like, you got a lot of forward-thinking minds around you. Right. All guys from different leagues from, you know, they play at different parts. And also where we are, uh, we have two different locations, Riverside and also uh, back in um, OC um, in Tustin. And so when we when we have these guys, we have guys traveling, you know, some guys an hour, some guys, you know, 10 minutes. Some guys live right down the road. Right. But mm-hmm. um, when you have all these guys, you got guys from different areas, maybe their rival high schools. You know, again, it kind of builds that uh, mentality. Again, all these guys are here getting after and, you know, some it kind of builds up. I hear a lot of professional athletes say that they do the same thing. You know, again, there's a guy on their team that, you know, had two down seasons and all of a sudden in, you know, 2018, like he's just going off. And so for guys that yeah. have that conversation and say, Hey, you know, I, I remember, you know, a couple months ago, you were struggling with like your forward move. Right. And mm-hmm. so now that you're struggling, you know, you're now I said, like, it looks great. Like you look good. Like you're, you know, everything's flowing. Like, what did you do to help you? Right. Like that's again, yeah. Questions are the key to open these doors, right? To help yourself, yep. and also for you know, as a coach to help your athletes. And so, um using those questions and and being in that environment, and then also too, the reason I also like the membership uh, method is also the byproducts of what it creates. So, a membership is is much different than lessons in this regard. And a lesson, you show up, and you know it's going to be like you and like you know, maybe it's three people, maybe it's nobody, maybe it's one on one, right? And you're going to get direct. Attention from the person in front of you is there a lot of value in that? hundred percent. What you also get there though is sometimes they're the byproduct of lessons is guys can't produce unless they're with you right you they're, they're don't get me wrong you can you can do lessons and you can kind of teach guys things to feel and all those other things. But one thing I like to do is because of the membership model and because of the byproduct of the culture that it kind of creates is one when they come in, it doesn't guarantee that I'm going to be spending a whole bunch of time with them that day. Maybe today I spend a ton of time with them and maybe tomorrow, you know, again, I'm, 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 I'm watching over their process. I obviously already built them a program. They already have individualized things that they're working on. And I kind of sent them home, and maybe I'm just overlooking that process. And I'm not, again, I'm not watching every single swing. I'm not tracking every single swing. And so with that, I can kind of let them again, like, and and I think that's also very important too. you get guys that are, uh, they start using, you know, data or they start using their reporting or they start using me as a coach, as a crutch. Right. And I don't want them to, you know, again, maybe they go back to their high school. There's no feedback on maybe their exit velocities or launch angles, or maybe they can't tell from that. So maybe they need to know by how it feels. Right. And then that's another thing. Sometimes we don't even have any of that stuff turned on. You know, and sometimes I'll 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 turn it off, or um, you know, I'll I'll take it off the screen that where it's actually tracking. And and you know, again, again, that's about knowing some of your guys. I could, you know, there's definitely uh, parts of, you know, certain guys that use certain technologies, and they're going to uh, that could that could make them better. And other guys start using it, just like any other tool. Like if I use a hammer and I try to, you know, screw a nail in. I mean, screw a screw a uh, screw in with it, right? Mm-hmm. That's not going to work right? Yep. So it's, I mean, it, it might work, right? In the same sense, we could, you could do it, but it's just not going to be efficient. And especially mm-hmm. too, there's certain times where a hammer is not going to be useful at all. Yeah. Right. So a tool is only as good of, you know, obviously, you know, as an operator, what you're using it for. And, you know, again, uh, any of these, any of these technologies, like I said, you got to know, you know, what they can do, what they can't do. And you also got to know, you know, how to use them and what, with that, what athlete, what you're going to get out of that, just like a cue. Right, you could say one cue to one guy and get a result. Say another cue to another guy, get a totally different result. You got to know how that guy's going to interpret that. And also, too, I think that's a big part of how you you know um, introduce that that cue as well. Some guys, some guys are funny in the sense they're like you know, they'll jump on these bandwagons of like, oh, I only use all external cues. Everything is external. I don't, I don't use anything external. You know, internal. That's, you know, there's all these studies saying that internal result, you know, internal is, you know, there's a lot less results, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, okay. So first off, again, if you look at these studies, I would say 98% of every study that I've ever seen when it comes into queuing or any of these things, first off, skill acquisition, motor learning, you know, this, these are all like newer sciences, right? There's still a whole bunch of things that haven't been tested. And also, too, it's very, something that's very hard to test, right? You also pull in the psychology side of it as well. And also you put in You know, if you get a guy, if you get someone that has never played a sport before, right? Like, like, let's say I grab somebody off the street, um, that has never played, you know, baseball before. And yeah, you know, he, usually one thing that's very important is when you look at these studies is that athletes usually have a pretty good sense of like proprioception and spatial awareness. That's something that kind of comes along with you being an athlete and kind of knowing where your body's moving through space, knowing where your limbs are, what's moving at what speed, um, you know, what what's braced, what's not braced, what's flexing, you know, things like that. Right. Um, now if you grab somebody that's not an athlete and you put them in the cage and then you start giving them all these internal cues, like to a very dynamic movement, especially when, like, let's say if I grab a scientist that doesn't work with athletes, and then I say, Hey, I want you to give this guy internal cues and like let's see the result. Well, first off, you have to know what you're trying to actually get them to do and how to get them to perform. And also too, sometimes I have to tell them the opposite of what I want them to do to get them to move the way I want them to move. And also too, like, yeah, I would agree that if a guy doesn't know his body, but he knows he can see things around him and he understands where those things are, giving them external cues might be much more benef- you know, beneficial for that study group. But that doesn't mean that all guys should be only be using all external cues. Like again, like, okay. For this example, when you get a new tool, right? Let's say you get a sledgehammer, right? And you previously had a hammer. Do You just throw your hammer away. No, no. you don't. You use your hammer when it's time to use your hammer. You yeah. pull your sledgehammer out when it's time to do damage with the sledgehammer. Right. Mm-hmm. And also too, you, keep your wrench when it's time to use it. And maybe there's tools that you use less often. And maybe there's tools that you use more. I do think that there's guys that over cue too. Instead of, you know, again, instead of having a, um, constraint and being able to set up a constraint for a guy to feel a movement or give an external cue, maybe this guy's giving a whole bunch of internal cues and I'm like, dude, it's not working. Right. That's not working. Right. And, or maybe even if it, some parts of it is working, maybe you need to come back to this in like 10 minutes. Maybe you need to come back to this in two weeks. Maybe it's just not the right time to use this tool. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think like the biggest part of that is you have to keep an open toolbox and just keep you know buying more and more tools um or you know again finding more and more tools to help you help um hitters if you learn if you have one tool that helps one guy you all have special tools that are very useful for particular situations and again it's always great for that one athlete to be able to pull out that specialized tool that may only work for him and may never work for anything again but it's perfect for this situation right yep. so i never i never get rid of any of my tools right i just you know i i get better at using them when to use them and obviously when guys have limited tools you know again when you only have a hammer it's like that old quote when you only have a hammer you see everything as a nail right because yep. you only know how to use your tool and and very you know uh, a couple of ways and because of that you you approach every situation the same right mm-hmm. so you're trying to you're trying to get your toolbox bigger. You're trying to find more ways to help athletes and you're trying to find, you know, again, more and more ways to recruit more tools so that you can help more guys. So,
1: yeah, no, that's really good. And there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on once again. Um, You know, I love how uh, you touched on, um, you know, the get better through your surrounding type of culture you have. I also wanted to add there uh, that's a huge aspect of the team environment that I think is often overlooked. We can't forget that our teammates are resources uh, uh don't get me wrong, I had some tremendous hitting coaches along the way, but I also loved hitting and talking through stuff with my teammates, you know, after the cage or after practicing the cage. Um, I know you had a great, great influence on the way I played on the field um, as a teammate. So I think more coaches should iterate and make that a priority, especially with some of the time constraints that are put into play at some of these levels. Um, I also you touched on tech. Uh, I think it's important to note that it's not the end all be all. Um, it is important when talking about the modern game, depending on how it's interpreted and what we're trying to get the athlete to do. And as yeah. far as queuing and, and making these athletes make some adjustments, when it comes to tech, d- do you sometimes see an issue with athletes trying to be too objective with the numbers? And is that something that you have to work on? What What do you see with the athletes you get into the facility?
0: Yeah. Um, so a big part when we do initial uh, evaluations, and this is why this is like a really good question because this happens often is when, especially when a guy, like, you know, again, when, Bo, when you and I were playing, there wasn't, you know, no one's tracking your EVs and launch, launch angles. I didn't even know yeah. what the heck my EVs were or my launch. I have no clue. No clue. Nice. Um, I knew awesome. I knew about hitting the ball. Yeah, exactly. Don't get me wrong. There is a lot of value of, you know, maybe not having some of that feedback and just like, dude, hit the ball hard and hit him, hit him when they're not. Like, all good. Hit the ball over the fence is always a good thing. But, again, sometimes we get guys in and they get so used to seeing the feedback from their, again, exit velocities, launch angles, stuff like that. And they start, I call, you know, exit velocity and launch angle, I call those base level metrics, right? Those are base level metrics to me. And the reason that I call them that is there's a whole bunch of different ways to create an exit velocity, right? So we've all had this done. Coaches, you guys have probably seen the same thing here. Um, You know, you have a T competition, Right everybody's hitting off the T and you have a radar gun, right? Well, first off, if you guys haven't figured this one out uh, to this point, I actually, um, Stouffer actually mentioned this back in a couple of podcasts about a year ago, right, Bo, where he said that he was seeing yeah. some big differences with radar guns and, and like – um, you know, launch monitors, and the reason that is is you actually have to take in uh, the the angle that it's actually leaving the bat, and then you have to um, you know at some algorithm of like cosine this blah blah blah. Again, we're all baseball coaches; we probably didn't pass math. Okay, so we're moving yeah. on from that. Yes, you have to do a bunch of math to actually figure out uh, the exit velocities of a lot of balls. And if it's not in the line with the radar gun, like that's been an issue for years. That's why scouts sit where they do in games. Uh, That's why they set up radar guns where they do in games. It's very important the angle that you're getting these things from. Now, with that being said, there's a lot of guys, you know, as coaches, you know, let's say you get a pitcher who's like, oh, man, I could pop a higher EV than that. And he gets, you know, again, you have a radar gun. The guy gets on the tee. He smokes a, you know, three hopper to the shortstop, and he pops a 96. Right, and yeah. then he's like, "Oh, yeah, I told you I was the best hitter. You know, you guys are terrible. You know, every pitcher can, can thinks he can hit. I get it. Um, at the end of the day, we, you know, even hitters think they can hit until they start facing, you know, Chris Sale. Um, yeah. So, in any case, uh, these guys pop these numbers off the tee, and they think that this is like, you know, the end all be all. Well, the thing is, is again, one of the hardest hit balls of all of uh, 2017 um, was to in the ALDS, I believe, which was um you know, uh, New York again. You had you had Aaron Judge pop that ball to the shortstop at 116 miles an hour, right? Jeez. So when you look when you when you looked at it, it's a double play ball that ended that ended the season. Um, mm-hmm. 116 is great. Um, another thing is even better is if you hit a ball at 100 miles an hour and just hit it, you know, at 25 degrees, that, that the ball is out of there. It's gone, right? Yeah. So I this is this is again where it comes I kind of mentioned this uh, last uh, episode where again. If you guys haven't learned that one, definitely go back and listen. But just more of us talking through again, it's not all just force production, right? Mm-hmm. Force production is part of the game. No one's saying that it's not important. Don't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. All right. That's mm-hmm. my favorite line from the Midwest. Don't hear what I'm not saying. That stuff is very important. But something to keep in mind is at the end of the day, it's not if baseball was all about just hitting the baseball hard, right? We would just, again, every guy that just hit the ball over 100 miles an hour would instantly get a hit. That's not how it works, right? Yeah. You still got to hit them whether or not. If you hit the ball, again, Darren Judge hit 116 and still ended up to a double play ball, right? Now, don't get me wrong. And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. Hitting the ball hard helps you get yeah. hits 100%, yeah. right? But with that being said, there's, there's a, a ton of guys that are really good hitters that um, like some guy, some guy in the cage, you know, again, like let's say he normally sits uh, like 95 miles an hour or something like that, right? And uh he mishits a ball off a slider machine uh that's throwing, you know, you know, gas with a ball that's breaking, you know, 13 inches. And he hits this ball to uh, the right center gap and it's only a single at 82. Right. I could see I, I've seen guys go like, oh oh my God, that's terrible. All this other thing. I feel terrible. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, all right, let me calm down, little 17 year old. Let's let's see, let's get you back right. Listen, yeah. If Chris Sale if Chris Sale was on the mound and he threw you a slider in an MLB game and you hit him in the gap at 82, would you be saying any of that, or would you be yeah. on first base talking about how how you knew you were the greatest? Right. Mm-hmm. So let's let's get let's get that right. Like it's okay, it's okay, and sometimes guys gotta understand that ultimate force. Right, isn't always optimal result. Right. Yeah. And so when we and when we take that in. We got to understand that, again, if you hit a ball in the air, and not, like if you hit the ball, I, I tell guys this all the time. Okay, let's say you hit a ball to center field. Hitting the ball to center field is 420 feet. Hitting the ball to left field might be 305 feet on some fields, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you absolutely crush a ball to center field at 415 feet and the guy catches the ball. That's great. Look, you hit that ball at and, you know six miles an hour. That ball was freaking absolutely crushed. Yeah, if we continue to do that all the time, Well, first off, if we keep keep, keep hitting balls in the air at 415 feet and the guy keeps catching it in center field, that you still are still an out, right? Let's get that. It's still an out. If the guy catches it, it's an out. I don't care where you hit it, right? So if the guy catches it, it's an out. So I tell guys all the time, you know, sometimes you got to understand with baseball, There's certain times and you'll see professional athletes do this where, yeah, that guy could have hit that ball to center field at 400 feet, but also too sometimes hitting that ball to left field instead and hitting it with less pop, right. But at a better angle, that's going to produce an optimal result at the end of the day. Like every coach right now will tell me if you're trying to tell me that you'd rather your guy hit a ball to center field at 415 feet to lose the world series or pull the ball at 306 feet and hit a jack. Let's all be honest. We'll t- we'll take the World Series dub, right? Yeah. So at the end of the course. day, we want we want we want optimal result. Optimal result. Results on the field or what matters? I don't care if the guy hits the ball four hundred and I don't care if the guy hits the ball five thousand feet, okay? Or if the guy hits the ball three hundred feet. When it leaves the field, it's a jack. Where that's it's yeah. a run. Moving on, right? Like beat that point up enough. At the end of the day, if the guy gets a hit, if the guy hits a double, if the, and now don't me wrong, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should be yanking for these or trying to do these other things, but again, we should be mindful of what produces an optimal result. If If you're a player listening to this and you go, yeah, I've been telling my coach this the whole time and I need to be trying to hit more home runs. No, this is what I'm also saying. If you're trying to hit home runs and you're also hitting into more outs, that's also stupid. Right, mm-hmm. so if you're also looking at that and you're going, okay, yeah, you're 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 trying to match. You're like a hey, coach. I heard from the podcast that you know again, ninety percent. Uh, I think ninety percent, ninety six percent of all home runs in the MLB are from twenty to forty degrees. So I should be hitting balls between twenty and forty degrees if I want to hit more home runs. Yeah, okay, Johnny, Johnny Rocket or Joey Bag of Donuts. Listen, that's great. <laughs> but in the, the day, at the end of the day, if you're hitting the ball. At 80 miles an hour between 20 and 40 degrees, right? That's a different ball game than a guy hitting a ball at 100 miles an hour at 20 to 40 degrees. So you got to know what's optimal for you as an athlete. And you got to take that in in a holistic approach. Don't go to your coach telling him he's an idiot because he doesn't see these stats that the MLB guys, yeah, yeah, he sees a better version. He's saying, listen, you know, again, Joey Bag of Donuts, you're hitting the ball at 75 miles an hour on average. I got your Raff soda data, data from you know live games, right? Every your average, you know, exit velocity 75 miles an hour, um, and or the opposite way. Some guys look at this as well. Again, they only want to nitpick data, and they go, Coach, my average is 90 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Again, Joey Bag you're 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 it's it's 90 miles an hour, but only on balls that are hit on 10 degrees or lower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you hit the ball in the air, your average is 75 because your hand path is straight down. Your momentum vectors are straight down. Right. So it's yeah. like, yeah, you're right. You hit the ball on average at 90 miles an hour, but all, most of the time you hit it on the ground. So, yeah, if you take, if you just take a guy and say, hey, you're hitting the ball at 90 miles an hour, we need to hit that ball in the air. But all of a sudden he starts hitting balls in the air and his average drops down to, you know, 75 miles an hour, that ain't going to work either. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you got to take it in holistically, and you got to see all of it, and you got to see the bigger pieces. And you got to, again, you got to try things, and you got to, you got to rethink them. And so you're going to make mistakes. And you, you thought this was going to work for this guy, and it's not. It doesn't make you an idiot. What make you know like what makes you an idiot is if you keep seeing this results and you don't make adjustments, right? Mm-hmm. So make adjustments. See what you're, you know, see what you're you're pulling from these guys, and then you know move on from there. And then again, if you can't understand it and you got questions, do what every great coach does in the nation and reach out and ask for help right? You know, reach out and ask for a colleague, reach out. And again, have that environment, reach out to a private facility, reach out to sick and say, Hey, I made these changes. Look at the video. Here's, here's the data I have. This is what I'm seeing with this guy. Do you have, do you have any advice? I reach out. I reach out for advice all the time from, you know, Donnie and, um, you know, assistant coach with the with the Reds. I reach out to, you know, uh hitting coordinators and I, I reach out for advice all the time. I, I have Eugene right next to me every day. I have other hitting him where again, if I'm seeing something, I'm like, I just I can't get him to do what I'm trying to get him to do. Like like I again, I didn't I don't I didn't I don't know about you guys, but I don't know how many Hall of Famers that I've coached yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, there's there's a bunch of guys and there's a lot more for me to learn. I'm not the end all be all, but at the end of the day I know that I'll go out and find some information for you. If I don't understand it or if I'm not getting the results I want, you got to be open-minded to see it in a different way and from a different perspective, you know?
1: Yeah, man, that's really good stuff. I think this is a great time to transition to the call takeaway.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, uh, this call takeaway is brought to you by Silverback Sports.
1: Silverback Sports is the alpha when it comes to arm care and training essentials. Silverback's training products are constructed from premium materials and are designed to be durable and dependable to withstand the toughest and most rigorous throwing or training programs. Visit shopsilverback.com to see their entire line of high-quality products at very affordable prices. Also, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to stay up to date at shopsilverback. That's at shopsilverback.
0: All right, Bo, so what was your call takeaway?
1: Uh, I think my biggest takeaway from this discussion, there's actually two. I think that priv- private uh, facilities and teams... Should work together. Um, I think there's kind of a common misconception that these two butt heads, but uh, through effective communication, I think they should work together to get their guys to perform to the best of their abilities. And then, secondly, like we hear almost on every episode, is it depends and it depends uh, with tech and yeah. uh, you know the rise of technology and and we hear verbal cueing, external cues, everything else. It, at the end of the day, as coaches, it's our job to get our guys to produce. And we ask our players to compete and, and you know put up numbers every day. I think we have to put our feet in the ground, figure out what works best for our guys, um, give them the means to perform and and help them get to the level that they want to get to. So
0: Yeah, absolutely. Those are great points. And um, you know, guys, again, this is great. If you guys could do us a favor, um, share, take you know, again, post your your favorite quote from this episode, uh, share with your friends. You know the podcast that really helps us out. And again, obviously from our end, we want to promote you guys as well. Uh, we like for you know learners and thinkers, and we want to push this. That's why we're doing this, these podcasts, and this is why we're kind of going this different direction. And also, again, having uh, future guests on as well. We're still doing that, so keep that in mind. And guys, if you could share it, if you guys could rate us as well on iTunes, that it all helps us out, um, and we love you guys for it. But from us and our partners over at Rapseto, until next time, Farm System out.
1: Aaaaaaah! <sweak>